Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome back to part two of CT of the adrenal gland, a pragmatic approach. And last time we discussed adenomas, and we came up to cysts. And let's pick it up at cysts. And I think what I'm looking at with adrenal cysts, it's one more in the continuum of benign adrenal lesions. So adenomas is the classic benign lesion. And if you do large studies and large series, adenomas is one, and then myelipomas is two. But there are cysts. There are a range of cysts. Most are endothelial or epithelial. You really can't tell those apart. The big thing, of course, about cysts, typically they're benign, no issue, no need to do anything. Classically, water density, may have a thin wall which does not enhance, and occasionally the wall can calcify. You kind of think of them like hepatic cysts or renal cysts. Non-contrast, sharply marginated, water density, you give IV contrast, it's not enhancing. Sometimes it's hard to tell if something's an adrenal cyst or a renal cyst or hepatic cyst. In those cases, the coronal view works very nicely, which we routinely will look at. Very nice example of an adrenal cyst. Another case, again, water density, sharply marginated, slight mass effect on the upper pole of the right kidney, once again, a benign adrenal cyst. Or here's another one with a little more of an oval shape to it, sitting right in the space between the patient's liver and the kidney, just a very nice example of an adrenal cyst. So adrenal cysts, occasionally they get very large and anything that gets large enough can cause symptoms by mass effect or compression, but invariably these lesions are left alone. There's not much to confuse them with water density. It looks like a cyst. End of story. Myelipomas. Myelipomas are interesting because they're benign. They're leave-alone lesions typically, though not always, as I'll mention, but they are a good source of confusion. So what are they? They're benign tumors. They're always benign, never malignant potential. Usually in older patients, they're composed of mature fat cells and hemopoietic tissue, and in addition to fat, may have calcifications. The amount of fat in any lesion will variable from 100% fat, basically, to only little punctate pieces of fat. Again, they're non-functioning. Size range, a couple centimeters to 17 to 20 centimeters. They typically remain stable over time, but they can enlarge and they can get smaller. They can have mass effect and they can bleed. The biggest challenge with myelipomas is the fact they bleed. And there's a question, how do you manage them? People often use size. Over 5 cm, people begin to worry about possibility of bleed. And patients will often have them resected prophylactically. Sometimes when they get larger, they create mass effect and create symptoms. And those are the situations where also they're removed. Now, myelipomas and autopsy series, well under 1%. Um, again, usually asymptomatic incidental findings. And they're important to recognize because often we pick them up when we're working a patient up for known malignancy. And you don't want to confuse a benign lesion with metastatic disease. Article by Parara. Uh, lesions have a negative Hounsfield unit because of macroscopic fat. High-density lesions may be seen due to hemorrhage or calcifications. So let me share a range of myelolipomas with you. One centimeter right adrenal, pure fat. Easy. Four centimeters right adrenal. Looks like it has a capsule. Well-defined. No problem. What about this one? Punctate fat. 
also calcification, myelipoma. Another example, punctate zones of fat, punctate calcifications. Here it is on the uh, coronal view as well, myelipoma. Again, the fat and the calcification play hand in hand, and I feel much better when I see both of them within a lesion. Another example here, fat centrally and calcification centrally. Again, an important lesion to recognize. Now, another example, look at this mass here. Look how large it is, but there in the middle, lower down, is some fat. That's a myelolipoma. That's it. And you can see only at the bottom was there fat. Now, people can say, well, how do I know it's not a adrenal carcinoma? Adrenal carcinomas have reported to contain fat. But when you look at those cases, they're large tumors, they're very aggressive, and they're invading the perirenal and periadrenal fat. So it's not really fat in the tumor as much as the fat, uh, the tumor gets, uh, invades the fat. So here, again, um, an important diagnosis. Here is another look at that patient. So again, very critical. And of course, this patient has a, an adrenal uh, mass, but also a hepaticomangioma. Another example here, the lesion is poorly defined in the left adrenal gland, better defined on the coronal view. A little increased density, one would wonder perhaps if this adrenal gland had bled sometime. And here's another one sitting right in that space between kidney and liver, kind of looks like it's oval in that regard. Here it is coronal. The amount of fat is less than some of the other lesions I showed you, but it's fat nevertheless. Or this example, coming off the medial limb, nice example of mixed fat, well-defined, sharp borders, easily capsulated, classic example of an adrenal myelolipoma. Now, you can see sometimes they get really large. Look at this left thing. This is a patient had known cancer, and you would worry about this, but there are multiple punctate calcifications, multiple zones of fat, myelolipoma, leave alone. Now, one thing that can be confused, I will admit, you look at this case, it could be a myelolipoma. In fact, it is a myelolipoma. But you know, it looks so infiltrative. Could this be a sarcoma, a liposarcoma of the retroperitoneum? I think sometimes it can be a challenge, but that's only with the largest myelolipomas. So it could be at least a theoretical problem, but honestly, I don't think it's much of a problem when you get down to it in practice. Articles, a recent article by Garrett talking about adrenal incidentalomas speaks about macroscopic fat rarely can be seen in adenomas, carcinomas, or pheos, and does make the point also that large myelipomas may be difficult to distinguish between liposarcomas. Now, I mentioned that myelipomas can bleed, and here's a nice example, flank pain, high density in the fatty lesion. This was over 5 cm. This lesion was resected. This is one of the reasons sometimes people suggest over 5 cm prophylactically remove these lesions. Now, adrenal hemorrhage is an interesting finding, and bleeding into myelipomas is uncommon but not rare. And the whole area of adrenal hemorrhage is very important. Adrenal hemorrhage can be due to many things from trauma to biopsy to underlying tumor bleeding. Uh, the problem with adrenal hemorrhage when it's unilateral, there's no functioning problem. When it's bilateral, the patient becomes Addisonian and can die. A adrenal hemorrhage can be 
unilateral or bilateral, most common unilateral in the right adrenal because of things like trauma, and it's more common in women than men. As I mentioned, unilateral adrenal hemorrhage, there's no clinical symptoms. Bilateral is adrenal insufficiency. The challenge with adrenal insufficiency is the requisition doesn't say rule out adrenal insufficiency or rule out adrenal bleed or rule out adrenal mass. The problem is, is you need to think about it. The patients are presenting like an acute abdomen, a myocardial infarction, or the equivalent of sepsis. And there are many reasons for adrenal bleeds. Underlying tumor is one, but that's unilateral. Coumadin can be bilateral. Trauma, usually right side unilateral. Hypercoagulability states or stress or infection can be bilateral adrenals. That becomes very important. Now, I mentioned trauma, and here's a great example. You can see fluid of blood in the patient's abdomen. You can see a very bright right adrenal gland. Just a very nice example of adrenal hemorrhage. And you can see it here, it's unilateral. An article by Toj K spoke about the imaging features of adrenal hemorrhage, spoke about oval, up to 3CM, sometimes when it bleeds acutely, obliterates the adrenal gland, perirenal fat stranding, spoke about uh, traumatic adrenal injury, 5% of blunt trauma cases. That's probably a bit high, usually right-sided. And usually when you have adrenal injury, it's a sign of multiple other injuries. And of course, whenever I've seen it, there's usually bone injuries, there's liver, uh, kidney. So there are multiple things that go along. So it's a very important sign to recognize, but then recognize the patient has all sorts of issues because of the trauma. And that article, again, here's the CT findings. Hematomas around, irregular, uniform, periadrenal, retroperitoneal, or adrenal pseudosis type appearance. Another example. Here's a great case of adrenal hemorrhage. Oval, high-density, right adrenal. Patient will do well. Another patient. Here the patient was sent down for sepsis in a patient who had a meningioma resected a couple weeks earlier. Was still doing poorly. Well, they were looking for an abscess. Well, look what you see. Bilateral adrenal masses, high attenuation on a non-contrast scan. This was bilateral adrenal hemorrhage. It was unsuspected in this NCCU patient or NICU patient. But there it was, high-density oval. You should recognize it. And here's another one. This patient was on Coumadin. was doing poorly bilateral adrenal hemorrhage. Small you can look for underlying tumors, sometimes you'll see them. Most of the times the answer is you will not, but again, a very important diagnosis. Now I mentioned that sometimes it can be confusing. Here's a very large adrenal bleed, non-trauma patient. And in these scenarios, I gotta think there's something underlying it. There's not Coumadin, there's none of those things in the history. And so you can see cases in this patient, for example, when we worked the patient up, there was a big lung cancer. Its first presentation was flank pain because of adrenal metastasis. So when you see a big adrenal bleed, you've got to think about that possibility. Now, it's been reported, and here's an example of primary adrenal carcinoma bleeding, but that is incredibly rare. Now, once you've had bleeds, go backwards over time or forwards over time, the lesions can calcify, very dense calcifications here, or very atrophic glands bilaterally. Whenever you see small atrophic glands, you worry about the patient being Addisonian, but that's just a very nice example of the bilateral glands. And here's just one more example 
of a big calcified cystic lesion, very nicely consistent with an old adrenal hematoma. Now, it's interesting, when I look at this case, I know it's benign, I think it's an old hematoma. When I look at the myelipoma, I know it's benign, it's a myelipoma. When I look at the adenomas most of the time, I know they're benign, I know what they are. Article by Azori at Hopkins here, speaking about imaging characteristics of adrenal tumors on CT can predict benign pathology 100% of the time, regardless of size when interpreted as benign on CT, um, the lesions are going to be benign. So it's kind of interesting how good CT is in that. And even though size becomes larger, it doesn't matter. Pathology is benign in 88%, indeterminate 2%, malignant in 9%, with a medium tumor diameter of three, just under 3 centimeters. Um, and you can see of the tumors with benign features on CT, 100% had benign final pathology. So when we analyze the cases, we're very good at picking who is or is not malignant. Um, this article also spoke about the presence of non-benign. Uh, IMF is more sensitive for malignancy than mass size alone. Regardless of mass size, adrenalectomy should be considered when non-benign IMF is present. In that article, you also makes the point that if a cutoff of four sonometers had been used as sole criteria for surgery, 45% of malignancies would have been missed, including a metastasis and an ACC. So what you're really saying is that you want to be very careful. Size alone is an important factor, but it's not the only factor. You can have small malignancies or large malignancies. You can have small cysts or large cysts. So it's really looking at the cases, not just kind of saying size alone. That's just not going to do it. Now, malignant tumors, let's speak a little bit about them. When you look at the numbers, the most common malignant tumor is metastasis. Primary adrenal carcinoma is indeed very rare. We could put pheos in the benign category or malignant. We'll stick them here at the end because 10% of pheos are malignant, 90% are not. Then we talk about other tumors, lymphoma and neuroblastoma. Um, when we look at these numbers about malignancies, again, a couple articles from Song. At routine contrast-enhanced CT, adrenal masses with irregular margins or a thick enhancing rim are likely to be malignant. Smooth margins can be seen in both benign and malignant tumors. So um, th there's nothing very surprising in that statement, but it does make the point that at times you can be very specific, both for malignancy and benign, and sometimes you just can't be certain. For individual morphologic features and diagnosis of malignancy, irregular margins, sensitivity, uh, of that and uh, enhancing rims are all going to be good findings for being able to detect uh, and define the adrenal lesions. And again, Song does make the point that in their second series, remember the first set of work they did was in 2009, at the end of the day, patients without known malignancies do not have malignant adrenal lesions. Now that's not always going to be true but it is probably a pretty good rule. All right, let me speak a little bit about adrenal carcinoma. Primary adrenal carcinoma is rare, more common in women, and when it's in women, it's functioning tumors, less than 5% bilateral. When they're functioning, it's due to steroid hormone production. Cushing's is the most common. You can see androgen secretion, estrogen, and primary aldosteronoma. 
We talk about presentation. When lesions are small, they, uh, they can be found incidentally at times, but symptoms, local flank, flank pain, weakness, hormones released by the tumor. When patient has extensive disease, the patients become symptomatic. Up to a third of primary adrenal carcinomas have calcification, an average size of 9 cm, but a big range in sizes, and tumor enhancement and necrosis is very common. When we stage adrenal carcinoma, we look for things as you would expect, local invasion, regional lymph nodes, vascular invasion, lung, bone, and liver are all things you need to answer and need to think about. With primary adrenal carcinoma, the variability of enhancement is significant. Every once in a while, the lesions are vascular, though never quite as bright as pheos, but a lot of times they're typically, as in this case, hypodense. This case also makes the point that it's hard sometimes to say whether it's adrenal or pancreas or spleen or kidney. You have to look at all of the images, including the coronals. I found the coronals to be very, very helpful. In this case, seeing the extent of the tumor and how on the 3D it pushes the kidney down. Very classic for an adrenal mass, in this case a primary adrenal carcinoma. And you can see this again, the low density within the lesion proper. Adrenal carcinoma can be vascular. So here's an example of a tumor in the left adrenal, and already the patient has multiple liver metastasis. And you can see very nicely by the left adrenal, when you reconstruct, there's the mass in the upper pole. That's an adrenal metastasis. So it's really metastatic disease in this scenario. Beautiful example of seeing the patient's tumor. Another example, here's an adrenal carcinoma, solid mass, pushing the right kidney down and pushing the liver upward. Very, very classic type appearance. Or here's another example. Look at the large mass pushing on the IVC. There it is in coronal view. We talk about adrenal carcinomas being solid most of the time, but it can be cystic. Here's a beautiful example of a cystic lesion with solid neural nodules. Here's another example of that case. Again, the thickened wall and neural nodules become very important. When you look at this case of adrenal carcinoma, you can kind of really appreciate that these lesions can be very cystic. We talk about solid. They don't need to be. They can be very cystic, and here's just one more view of that. Okay. Now what else? When you talk about malignancies, the most common malignancy you really speak about is metastatic disease. That's the most common malignant adrenal mass. So why don't we take a five minute break, get some water and come right back and we'll finish up. Thank you very much.